This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I am very excited today to interview our guest, Dr. Ron Rotem from New Jersey. And I've got a huge smile on my face because I've known Dr. Rotem for probably, oh, what do you say, doctor, maybe 17 years? Does that sound about right? Yeah, I, I think since you were in Little League, if I yeah. recall correctly. <laughs> and we, I, I just, I love that today we picked up where we left off and having a good time and laughing. And so we want to include you guys in this. I'll give you Dr. Rotem's background. He earned his DDS degree from New York University College of Dentistry in 1991. So that means this is your 30th year. Is that correct? 30 years of fun. Wow. That's awesome. And let's see, for the last, what, five years, you've been doing a multi-doctor practice, correct? That's correct. Yeah. But you, but you have not participated with insurance for the last 25 years. Um, yeah, about 25 years or so. That's correct. Wow. And you love doing sedation dentistry, implants, and you're, you're a master at what you do. And, and I can tell everybody listening uh, to this that Dr. Otem's practice is incredible. When I work with clients, I have standards that I set and, and I make sure that everyone is being measured to the Dr. Rotem standard. So this guy, this practice is phenomenal. And so I'm so happy that you're joining us. I'm so excited to pick your brain for those that are out there listening about challenges within their practice. And I know that today they're going to get some help with how to be free of restrictive insurance if they want to be. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. So I know that when we started working together, I should have looked it up. I think it was like 2003-ish, somewhere around there, Uh uh, 2004, that you had already resigned from insurance in your practice and you'd gone through a process but there must have been a time where you then participated with insurance before that. Is that correct? Um, there was. Um, I think when I bought my practice in 1995, I uh, was participating in uh, several plans. And then uh, within a couple of years, I dropped all those plans. Okay. And I think the thing that led me to drop the plans was we had four people at the front desk and I walked up to the front desk one day and all four of them were on the phone with an insurance company, not taking care of our patients. They were all on the phone with an insurance company. And I wow. said, you know what? Something's got to change around here. And that, that was really the start for us. That's such a great visual. You know, you're needing help with a patient or there's uh, new patients calling, but they can't get anybody because we're on the phone trying to figure out what's going on with the insurance. I love that visual. That's so good. Yeah. Love it. So when you were participating with them, did you have an idea that there was this other side of it that you didn't have to participate? What was your knowledge of in-network, out-of-network? I know you mentioned the word dropped, which is a limiting term when we talk about resigning from insurances, but it's you're exactly right. You're dropping insurance. So what did you perceive to be the difficulties or or being out of network? What was that other world like from your point of view? Uh, by the way, as a side note, that's exactly what I did. I dropped them. And that's exactly the way that it worked out. You know, I lost like half my patient base or close to it by doing it just that way. That was not, I did not do it the, the right way. Yes, exactly. I wish I would have had better skills, better verbal skills at the time to do it in a much better way. Right now, I am so glad that I said you resigned from insurance before we started working together. It's now paying off for me. Yeah. 
So by the time we started working together, though, you had realized, okay, there's a way we're supposed to go about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, what happened was that, you know, again, the, you know, the, the whole front desk team was on the phone with insurances. You know, we were really being limited with what we were doing. Uh, we were really churning through so many patients at the time that because that was the only way uh, to make the practice profitable at the time. And, yeah. um, you know, that was just not the way that I wanted to practice. Got it. And so we started dropping insurances, not really um, in the smartest way uh, to do it. But, you know, but that's what we did. And it, it took us um, a couple of years, a good couple of years to learn. Uh, how to really recover from that and how to do that properly. Okay, got it. I just put here, how did you recover? It took two years. And when you say how to do it properly, what are some things? Well, um, you know, so to me, really, the most important thing about not participating in insurance is that you need to create value for the patient. You know, so you literally, what you're doing is people, you, you, if you have the visual of somebody has to reach into their pocket to take out some money to pay you. And anytime somebody has to do that, you really have to create some kind of value for them to be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we really, when we, when we dropped all these insurances, we, I, I didn't have that concept in mind that if I was not participating, I have to create a lot of value for people. So they will come to my practice. So they will want to see me. So they will want to return. All right. And so for those of us who are still in that network, Give us an example of what you mean by creating value. What What is something that you give us something tangible, right? A practical thing that you did. Well, uh, you know, it's 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 simple and involved things. So uh, simple things is like having a clean office and having all your paperwork look very neat and clean and mm -hmm. no, uh, you know, double and triple copies of things, you know, something like that, something as simple as that. It's something like calling new patients before their visit and introducing yourself mm -hmm. or calling patients after their visit and seeing how they're doing, you know, so, so it's things like that, that creating yeah. value. And you're being very modest right now because I walked into your practice in whatever year that was. And I went, wow. Remember I called you like at three in the morning because my flight had been delayed or something and wake you up to say I was, I was late. <laughs> What a horrible on-site visit. Go, you were going to take a ride with somebody in Philadelphia and back. And I was like, don't do it. <laughs> it was a mess. Just going from Maine to New Jersey was a mess that night. I remember that vividly. So, but when I walked into practice as a coach who had been in practices, I said, wow, this practice is beautiful. It had a different feel to it. It looked different. It was a whole nother level. And so I think what you're also alluding to is the wow factor. And you're being modest about, you know, have it neat and clean. You were above and beyond when it came to that. And, and secondly, you did talk about something that the doctor introductory call that, that we, we talked about years and years ago that you were doing where you call and introduce yourself to your new patients before you ever saw them, right? right? Right. Going above and beyond and setting yourself apart. What are the ways you do that? And the underlying current here that we're also, I don't want to, ignore is there's a wrong way to do this. So if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to drop insurances. What would your warning be to somebody who says, oh, I'm just, I'm so tired of it. I'm, I'm fed up. I'm just going to tell insurances no more. What, what would you say to that person? You know, it, to me, it really comes down to one word and that's value. 
So what if they if you're not participating in their plan, what value are you creating that makes that patient want to come and see you? Okay, there, there's many facets to it. And um, that's really what you need to think about. That's, that's what you need to create. You need to create value for the patient. Otherwise, why would they come to see you and spend money with you when their insurance will pay for that treatment somewhere else? Mm. Yeah. And their mind is it's a dentist is a dentist is a dentist on every corner. They're all the same. Why would I come see you? What's going to set yourself apart? What's your, your niche, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, any profession that you don't know something about that you're not familiar with, I mean, what do you really compare? You just compare price. You know, if you don't know something about a profession, you know, you're looking what one guy charges, what the other guy charges. And, and why would you pay more if you if you perceive that you're really getting the same thing from both places? Right. Yeah. So in order for you to uh, go beyond that, you know, for somebody to perceive that you're more valuable, you know, you have to create that. Yeah. And then, then you create raving fans and you create people who are speaking about you with others and you get referrals and, and so on. So here, here's the advice part for, for Dr. Rotem to give to maybe younger, maybe older doctor listening right now. You feel like you did it the wrong way. What advice would you give to someone who's considering resigning from insurances? Is you say, you know, I did it the wrong way. If you had to do it over again, what would you do differently? Uh, what I would do differently is I would um, rather than send out a letter saying that I'm dropping all these insurances and then wondering, hey, what happened to all these patients? You know, why why aren't they coming back? You know, I would have um, first I would have talked to them about it. I would have really built up the value part of my practice before doing that. You know, so I, I would have looked at, uh, you know, all the things that I said to do. I would have started doing that before dropping before yeah. dropping those insurances. Yeah. And then I would have dropped the insurances. Yeah. We actually only take 15 percent when we when we help clients go through this. We only take 15 percent of the population, of the practice, maybe 20 percent at a time over a six month period where we have one on one in-person conversations wow. with them to let them know no yeah. big deal in six months, we'll still be here as they experience what I call insulators. You're talking about value of the practice, but I call them insulators, things that protect you from any sort of, uh, I don't know, carnage, whatever happens if, if patients leave. Right. And one thing I've really been trying to drive home is whatever percentage of write-off you're writing off. So let's say the average PPO is about, we'll call it 30%. We'll be conservative. It's really 40, but we'll say 30% your fee reduction, right? It's 30%. You can actually afford to lose 30% of those patients. I mean, retain 70% and still be just as well off. And we never see a loss of more than 15 to 20% for, I would say 90% of the insurances. There's two insurances out there that are problematic, but other than those two, there really is no fear if done well, if done correctly. So You've obviously been practicing for a long time without insurance. So now a patient calls up and, you know, let's say it's, I don't know, five years after you resigned from insurance, your team is now trained. They're saying things the right way. You've built the value and somebody calls up and says, yeah, I'm wondering if you take insurance down there, right? Obviously you being a dentist, not somebody answer the phone, but you know what your team ought to be saying. What were some things that your team over the years has said that, made the patient feel like this is the place for me to come, even though they're not in network, that perception of that. How did your team handle that? 
You know, at the time we uh, focused heavily on sedation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we focused, we tried fo- to focus on procedures that were not as common uh, in most other practices. Mm. So it made it easier for people to seek us out. Um, you know, they weren't people who were looking for sedation or implants or things like that, rather than somebody who's looking for fillings, uh, for example. So, gotcha. um, you know, so when somebody's interested in sedation and more uh, higher end treatment, we gave them more time on the phone. We mm. listened to them more. We acknowledged them more. It, you know, it wasn't a real quick conversation with them. Good. So as long as that's done right, um, that, that works really well. It's just very important that that conversation is done right. And it's just not a lot of uh, what we call verbal vomit, you know, when, when uh, you know, when the, the team members just talking a lot and not really listening to the patient, acknowledging what they have to say and uh, working with them that way. Got it. Be interested, not interesting, quality over quantity, right? That's exactly it. Yeah. So good. Now, numbers. You said, wow, we took a hit. You recovered. How did it affect? I mean, you you don't have to give all your numbers, but you can give percentages or share whatever you feel comfortable with. How did it affect your practice? and, and, And did you ever recover? And if so, was it better? Was it worse? Was it the same? Oh, yeah. Once, uh, you know, once we uh, realized that, hey, um, we need to do more than just drop insurances. So it Mm -hmm. took a little while, but then our practice grew um, and really kept growing over the years. You know, our as at the time when I was a single practitioner, um, the only way for me to be more productive is to do uh, larger, more involved treatment. And that's really what we focused on. Um, so we just kept growing the practice that way. When I was dropping all these insurances, I wasn't doing um, like sedation and, mm-hmm. and just, a, you know, a lot of involved procedures because I was playing a volume game. You know, I, I had to get people in and out pretty quickly. And now when you're talking about a, a, uh, a higher value patient, um, you need to take more time. You need to be able to offer them more. And usually they ended up doing more treatments. Exactly. It's so funny how when you start moving away from what does my insurance cover patients to, hey, I want you to take care of everything. Uh, The insurance almost takes care of itself. Now, as I tried to explain to to clients and potential clients and people who are considering going, uh, resigning from insurance, there's different levels. There's like way down here, DMO, HMO, you know, you're seeing people for free and you just get a check every month, right? Then there's, oh, I'm in network with insurances, PPO. I'm doing the 15 to 40% write-off thing and I'm in network and they perceive value to come in and they, they, the crown of your club type. Okay. And then there's, I'm out of network, but we still bill your insurance and your insurance pays us and you just pay the difference. And that insurance a lot of times pays the UCR, the office fee for like pro fees and things like that. And the 80% of your going rate for fillings and 50% for major, all that. And then there's a whole nother level, which is insurance free. What I call insurance free, where patient pays me, we bill your insurance, insurance reimburses you. And if I remember correctly, that's the level you went to. Is that right? Right. Um, Ultimately, that's what we did uh, for a long time. And uh, part of the reason for that is because we were um, insurance free and because we were, it was only uh, really uh, cash paying patients, uh, we needed a smaller staff. So we, we really didn't have the 
the personnel to really chase insurance companies and things like that. So the patient paid us, we uh, submitted to insurance and then the insurance reimbursed them directly. You know, so we, we did not have a billing department. Yeah. You know, there was no, there was no billing. And you had no AR. We, no, we, actually many times we were, um, you know, we owed patients money. So we all, we, we came up with that. We were like, all right, every time a sedation patient is done, we're going to send them a, a refund of $200. We, we made up a number sometimes. We just said, Hey, we're going to always want to send the patient back somebody and say, you know what? That was a great experience. And we put some referral cards in with that check too. <laughs> now, yeah. someone listening is saying, wow, you had a smaller staff, you're cash pay patients, you must have been producing barely anything. I mean, I know your numbers and I'm not going to share them, but you were producing really well. Yeah. Um, you know, our value for a new patient, um, if I recall at that point, was about $6,000 per patient. Wow. You know, so, um, yeah, we were, we were producing some pretty big numbers, you know, for a one-man practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember, I remember uh, was it Joy, your hygienist? Right. She's, she's still, still with you. She's still with you. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Tell her I said hi. So now at some point, uh, I get the impression that maybe you changed where you weren't doing cash up front billing insurance, and now you're accepting assignment to your practice, but you're still in, at a network as, as a provider. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, right now, um, I've always stayed out of the insurance. Uh, you know, I don't participate in any plans. Yeah. Uh, we do have, I do have a, a multi-doctor office at this point. So some of the other doctors are participating in the plans. Gotcha. When I come see you, I choose to come see you and I bill, uh, I pay you, right? Uh, yeah. I cope. Do I, when I see Dr. Rotem, do I pay all of my bill and the insurance reimburses me or does the insurance come to you and I just pay my copay difference for when I see you? Um, so we've changed that uh, recently. So now uh, we'll consider some of the insurance part of it. Got it. And, um, and then uh, we'll, uh, if the insurance overpaid, then we'll reimburse you part of it. But we're, yep. we'll take some of that insurance assignment. So to explain that, I want to make sure I, I want to active listening here. So uh, you're overestimating the patient portion when the insurance says, oh, their patient's portion is 20%. You probably ask for 30 or 40%. And then if there's a credit, you reimburse the patient. Is that correct? Yeah. So what happens is that usually the insurance fee is not our fee. Yeah. You know, so UCR. Uh, yeah. Right. So whatever percentage they say they're paying, they're paying it off of their fee schedule, not our fee schedule. Exactly. You know? So um, so you can't go by what the insurance uh, say that they're going to pay for it. Yeah. So when they say they pay 100% of preventive, well, it's 100% of their fee, maximum allowable amount usual and customary. And a lot of times they set that about 10 to 20% lower than the going rate. And that's the patient copay, right? Right. Okay. So yeah. So you might put in your system 90% coverage instead of hundred percent coverage or 80% instead of hundred. We do default. Um, you, know, it, you know, after a while there's uh, you've worked with uh, many insurance companies and you kind of know what uh, you know, yeah. what they'll pay for procedures. So you kind of have an idea already. Yeah. You know, so we'll adjust it based on um, based on really on our experience with those companies. Awesome. So this has been good. I really I really like hearing it. Any advice, unsolicited <laughs> advice that you non-political <laughs> uh, advice that you would give to other dentists out there who feel hamstrung by PPOs? They feel like I like you felt when that, that first when you walked out and saw your team members 
what advice would you say? All right, you need to know this. You need, you absolutely need to know this. You absolutely need to know this. Yeah. What would you um, say? You got, I, you, you know, I would just say that, you know, if you're, if you're a single practitioner, um, it's, it's really a tough game if you're participating in insurance plans. And uh, so you either, your choices are to either uh, become a multi-doctor practice, okay, mm-hmm. which has its own headaches and its own issues to deal with. Or if you're going to stay by yourself, then you really want to move to the non-insurance side of it by providing services that people are not getting uh, elsewhere. And uh, you want to provide a better level of service than they're going to get elsewhere. That's, that's how right. you're going to, that's how you're going to attract people to come to your practice and to see you and to pay you for the treatment that you're going to do for them. That's right. Set yourself apart. And it takes time, right? It's not, it's not an overnight thing. The whole dropping thing is an issue. It's really a resignation process that you go through when we do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's no, uh, there's really no magic bullet to it. But mm-hmm. if you keep in mind, how can I create value? How can I create, how can I keep creating value for the patient? You'll find many things that you could do to help create value from the patient, you know, and, and it really, it's from the phone call that they get, the letters that they get, the way that you talk to them, the way that you're dressed, the way that the team is dressed, the way that your office looks, if you're marketing, the way that you're marketing. I mean, there, there's just so many aspects to it, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, you want to, you know, I tell the team that we want the patients to feel like they're in Disney World. Yeah. You know, it's not about, it's not about the, it's not about what's going on with the team. It's the experience for them. So what can we do for them to have a good experience in our office? They don't need to hear that somebody called out today or that you ran out of something or what, you know, whatever issues you're having, you're having. No, it's about them. You know, so there's no conversation in the room that doesn't involve the patient. You're not talking about things that don't pertain to them that enhance their experience. Yeah. You know, and I always keep in mind and I tell the team, is this enhancing, is this enhancing the patient's experience? If it is great, we want to do it. If it's not enhancing their experience, we don't want to do that. That's right. Yeah. Such good advice. I just got back from Disney world and I noticed Mickey did not call in sick. So he was there. That's right. I, have, I mean, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes and the problems that a, an organization that big runs into on a moment, not a daily, a moment by moment basis, but you never experience that as a customer. In fact, if you have any negative experience, they go out of their way. They make it, they make it right. So uh, I, I can speak from experience on that. And, and, and just to emphasize what you were saying, you're talking about creating credibility. So when you, as you listen to this, I want you to think in your mind, how does your patient understand how credible you are? You have to be credible for them to want to do business with you. And what Dr. Otem is really explaining to you is these, these are some simple ways you can do everything you say, every system, every physical plant they encounter creates credibility. So every interaction is a part of building confidence in your competence. People want to do business with you when you're credible. So look at, be a patient in your practice. What is that like? How do they experience your practice from start to finish? And if you're not listening to new patient phone calls, maybe you ought to, or role play or practice. I mean, we did lots of role playing, right, Dr. Tim? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that's those kind of things you just have to do on a regular basis because guess what? You know, you're not, you're not keeping up with it. 
And uh, before you know it, you know, half of the things that you want said are not. They're gone. You know, or there's many things that um, that should not be said that are being said. And especially, uh, you know, when you have new people coming on board and you'd think that the people that have been there for a long time, uh, you know, have it down pat. <laughs> they don't. In the training, it's like the game of telephone when you're sitting as a kid and you whisper in someone's ear and it goes all yeah. the way around and it comes back something totally different. And yeah. I would ask team members, why do you do it this way? Oh, that's how they trained me to do it. Who's they? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knew who they was. <laughs> so this is where All-Star can really come in to play and help you. Obviously, what we do is, is train team members. We help them so their verbal skills are masterful and it doesn't take away from anyone else who needs to do their job on a regular basis. All-Star can train them to online platform, through coaching, what have you. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that you can reach out to Heather uh, at allstardentalacademy.com. Just send her an email. Just ask what, what, what access uh, can you get to All-Star and how we can help you. And then if you're interested, obviously, in resigning from insurances, the coaching process can help you through All-Star. So we're here to help people in dentistry achieve their vision, their goals, whether that's in-network or out-of-network. And like Dr. Rotem alluded to, if you're going to be in-network and you're going to build a, a, a multi-doctor practice, there's a way to do that too profitably. But please don't try to think that you can buy in bulk and have leverage with insurance companies as a single office provider trying to demand a fee increase. It's not going to happen. You can pay as many companies as you want, thousands of dollars, to try to get them to get your fees increased with insurance companies every single year just to break even. Or you can just raise your fees and be out of network if you're a single provider. So now if you've negotiated phenomenal rates with your insurance company and somehow you've magically done that, congratulations, it's working for the next 10 years until they, you recognize for 10 years they haven't raised your fees. Then there's a different game to play there. I want to go back to something, Dr. Red Tim, and then we'll wrap up. You mentioned new patient value. Most doctors don't know what you even meant when you said that. So can you shed some light on, you understand the in, ins and outs of a practice and what wow. numbers it takes to, to do it and all that kind of stuff. So when you said new patient value, what did you mean by that? Well, it means that uh, for every new patient that came into the practice, how much do we expect them to spend or how much did they spend in our practice? Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, the way that we were doing it, the value of a new patient, each, each patient on average spent uh, approximately $6,000 in our practice. Okay. So, wow. so when you're, uh, when you're looking at um, building a budget, you know, if you're looking at marketing, if you're looking at, uh, anything that you do in the practice, I mean, those numbers are really significant. So, for yeah. example, if you're going to if you're going to uh, spend any money on marketing, you know, you have to know uh, how much is, how much is each new patient costing you that you're uh, you know you're buying through marketing, and how much money are they going to spend in your practice for that to make sense? If you don't know those kind of numbers, um, you know, yeah. you're playing a guessing. very dangerous game. You're guessing and you're hoping and and. Right. Two things. One, annual patient value. Typically, what I see is around $900 to $1,000 for most practices, which is low in comparison to what you're talking about. So increasing right. the value. Okay. Lifetime value, about $2,500. Okay. So that's all patients. It's averaging. Now, you're focusing on a new patient. So when we look at a new patient through our KPIs and we do our case presentation tracking, we're looking at treatment plans around $5,000. So we're not that far off from the Dr. Rotem standard that's way up here. Okay. So 
And then the other thing is that you're mentioning is you have to be tracking. You have to know what you're spending on marketing. Now, the funny thing is people who are in insurance plans, they don't recognize they're spending money on marketing. They're spending 40% of their fee to get that new patient in. So for example, Dr. Otem, if I looked at a practice and we do a breakdown where we go, all right, here's your fee, here's insurance fee, here's how many patients you have on that, here's how many times you have that procedure, here's your annual loss for that company. You're, you're paying that insurance company. And I'll see numbers anywhere from 85,000 to 400,000 for like Medicaid and things like that, okay? All right. If, if you paid a marketing company $85,000 a year and you were getting from the list, oh, I, you're in my network, 12 new patients a year, would you fire that marketing company? <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> you you made uh, your fired popular before anybody else made that popular, by the way. You just got to fire someone sometimes. <laughs> those, were, those were the days. Those were the days when you could just fire someone. So yeah, that's a big inside joke. Sorry, everyone who's listening to this. But yes, Dr. Otem shared me one time. He said, I got to tell him the story. You said, Sometimes you just got to be in the middle of a meeting and point to someone and go, this is it. You're done here. You're fired. Do you remember that? That was the old version yeah. of you, huh? Yeah, that, that was the younger, the younger, uh, less mature <laughs> version of it. You've learned so much since then. I love it. So point being is in our KPI tracking, we actually look at how many new patients you get from every source and how much you're spending annually on that source or month year to date on that source. So you know how much you spent to get every new patient in the door. So I don't know, Dr. Trump, is that something you track currently? Is that something you know? Do you have a number that you associate with that and go, I never want to spend more than X for a new patient? Um, you know, it's not so much to me that you don't want to spend X more than X for a new patient, but if you are, uh, you know, it depends on what your expected return is. Yeah. You know, so it all has to be in relationship to the expected return. Yes. So, for example, if you're, you know, if you're, uh, if you get back, uh, let's say, uh, $1,500 per patient, well, you know, it's worth spending $100 on that, That's right. right? Or $100 yes. or whatever it is. On the other hand, if you're uh, just getting, uh, you know, if you're getting a $500 return on a new patient, uh, you know what, you don't want to be spending $100 you're losing. or $50 yeah. or, you know, yeah. on a new patient. The math is 10 times the return of the investment. So for you, if you were getting $6,000 from a patient, you'd be willing to spend $600 per patient to get them in. Most, right. most offices, again, at $2,500 on average money spent, they don't want to be spending more than $250 per new patient to get them in. And that's the ceiling we look at and go, okay, unless you're doing high-end cases and doing big cases like you're talking about, we've got to be careful on our marketing right. budget here. Remember, the opposite of that is tens of thousands of dollars that you write off to insurance companies. Look at them as though they're your marketing company and say, are they worth it? Are they creating for me the return investment that I'm giving them, what I'm giving up? So is that a fair analogy? Yeah. I, you know, Comparison? I think it's just, a, it's just a choice of how you want to practice, you yep. know? So at the time, I just, uh, it was just me and yeah. um, I just did not want to do the volume game. Yep. You know, I just did not want to practice that way. And so uh, ultimately, I found a way of not not to do that. Yeah. You know, if you're happy uh, being a single practitioner and doing I mean, just running around like that, that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But yeah. it just really depends on what you want for yourself and how you want to practice. 
Absolutely. Your vision, right? Your vision and your goals that came into play. Yep. Absolutely. We keep working on that. Yeah. Never ends, right? Never ends. That's right. Well, it's so good to catch up with you. So good to see you on, on, on this uh, format. Anything else you want to share with anybody or you feel like you've given your, your wisdom? Um, I think I've given most of my wisdom. <laughs> um, I, I think just, just think of value. You know, how do you okay. create value? Um, yep. And that's just a question that you just need to keep asking yourself. And I think that'll help lead the way to, uh, to the, really to the other side, so to speak. More, more opportunities in the out-of-network world. Uh, gosh, thank you so much. This has been so good. I love everything that you said. Value. Uh, doing it the right way versus doing it the wrong way. Uh, get talk to other doctors who have done it, right? And obviously, I would appreciate if if uh, you just ask me some questions. I'd be happy to help answer any questions you have. Eric at allstardentalacademy.com. Uh, there's no no risk involved in sending an email and just getting some help from from people who've done this. I I got to tell you, Doctor, I've never helped more offices, more doctors resign from insurance in one year than in 2021. Yeah. And it's something that um, I do. It's crazy. I, I think that uh, a lot of people are really getting hammered. Yeah. And uh, I think staff shortages and all that. And I think yep. it just makes it really difficult. And, um, you know, if they, can, if they can cut back on their volume, it'll just make it that much easier for them to be able to enjoy work. Beautiful. Love the way you said that. We'll wrap up there. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And just taking the time to invest in yourself. And until next time, go out there and be an all-star. Thanks, Dr. Rotem. All right. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.